Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Maureen, your Canva presentation looks brilliant. Thanks, Brett. That's because I used AI-powered Canva presentations. I just described what I wanted and Canva presentations generated the perfect slides. You can even make a talking presentation for people to watch on their own time. Check this out. Recording. 101 Reasons Why Beaches is the Saddest Film Ever Made by your neighbour Maureen. Is it easy to use? If you can use a computer, you can nail your next work presentation with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Oh, thanks, my neighbour Maureen. Yeah, thank you. Look out! It's only films to be buried with... Hello and welcome to Films to be Buried with. My name is Brett Goldstein. I'm a comedian, an actor, a writer, a director, a cashew nut, and I love films. As Candice Bushnell once said, maybe our girlfriends are our soulmates and guys are just people to have fun with. And maybe that Beatles documentary could have been even longer than it was if they'd done less editing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's a good point. That's wise words, Candice. Every week I invite a special guest over, I tell them they've died, then I get them to discuss their life through the films that meant the most of them. Previous guests include Barry Jenkins, Kevin Smith, Hannah Waddingham, and even Bled Crambles. But this week, it's the brilliant comedian and doctor, Mr. Michael Akadiri. Get over to the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein, where you get an extra 15 minutes with Michael. We laugh a lot. We talk about beginnings and endings. And there's a secret. You get the whole episode uncut and ad-free and as a video. Who doesn't like videos? Lots of people, I guess. So, Michael Akadiri is a stand-up who's just starting his first Edinburgh Fringe Solar Hour today, I think. So if you're in Edinburgh, go and see it. He is also the very first real-life doctor I've had on the show. And his thoughts on death and film were absolutely brilliant. I loved hanging out with him. Go see his show in Edinburgh, and I think you're going to love this one. Okay, so that is it for now. I very much hope you enjoy episode 207 of Films to be Buried With. And welcome to Films to be Buried With. It is me, Brett Goldstein, and I'm joined today by an actor, a writer, a performer, a junior doctor, a soon-to-be surgeon, and most of all, an incredible stand-up comedian. Please welcome to the show. Can't believe he's here. Can any of you? Yes, it's him. It's the one and only. Here he is. It's Michael Akadiri! Ha, 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 what's an intro? Ha, ha. Uh, I love that. That's that's very kind, man. That is very, very kind, man. You introduced me better than I introduced myself, man. So I appreciate that. <laughs> well, you can't introduce yourself like that if you're English. You you sound like a prick. You have to let someone else do that. Then you have to come in all like, oh hey, it's nothing. I'm just all these things. Stop it. Stop it. I'm <laughs> <laughs> It's nice to see you. I we I've been a fan of yours 
from videos that we've never had a gig together have we we've not had the fortune of having a gig together man so uh yeah it's a bit surreal meeting you in this in this circumstance but it's very nice to do to finally sit down and chat yeah i i've loved your stand up and i, I really i keep wanting us to have a gig together and it, and it hasn't happened but i'm sure it will one day most definitely are you about to do edinburgh yes 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 so august I will be at the Pleasance Courtyard. I'm there for the whole month doing my debut out. So I'm really excited about it. What's it called? What's the show called? It's called No Scrubs. So it's called No Scrubs. It's about my life in the NHS. You alluded to my life as a doctor. But it's also about perceptions when I'm not in my scrubs and how I can be seen as a scrub. So it's a bit a play on the words on the term scrub there. Interesting. Now, unless you're sick of talking about it, I mean, it is, it is your USP because it is fascinating. You're an actual, you're an actual human doctor who does actual in the flesh. Yes, yes, yes. That's what I do. Somehow, somehow I juggle both. It's difficult, but I am a, I save lives. It's weird to say, but that's what I do. And so what, how is your time split, if I may ask? Or do you just gig when you can? Yeah, yeah. So obviously we have a set rota. So on my rota, I know when I can gig, I know when I can't gig. And um, I just basically got gigs around the time when, I'm available to two gigs, so to speak. And I squeeze things like this after shift. So, you know, it's a bit of juggling. It's a bit, but it's all important. It's, I think if you want to do something in your spare time, you'll do it. Sort of like, I guess you in this podcast, you're a busy guy, but you still find time to do your podcast. So, you know, it's all about finding time for the things you want to do. Yeah. Look, I, I don't think this is the same, but it's funny because people always ask me, like, you know, I do writing, acting, stand up, whatever. And people always go, what's your favorite if you could only do one? And I'm always like, why do I have to have one? Can I do the ball? And I was going to ask mm-hmm. you, is it the same with, with being like, as in, <laughs> is it, does it become a point where it's like you have to choose one or, or are you happy Ooh. doing both forever? I mean, I like uh... it. But does it become a thing? Yeah, it's it's been a, it's been a nice juggle so far, but I think the stand up's picking up in terms of its demands and the more gigs I do, and I guess the better you do of anything, the more in demand you'll get you'll be. So I'm getting to the point now where it's like, oh, you know, do I have to decide? Do I have to yeah. sort of pick? I, it depends on what Edinburgh goes. If Edinburgh goes really really well, then maybe I'll be put in a position where I've got to really decide because it's hard to juggle both. Don't you think it's it's look it's different for me going oh I'll just do stand up it's no, no one's no one's dying but if you go <laughs> I'll just do stand up people are losing their lives I mean your gigs better be fucking amazing <laughs> that's, it, that's the pressure that is that is the pressure it's so wild because on the flip side when I do a gig and I'm like oh it doesn't go well let's say people don't laugh that's the worst that could happen at a gig people don't laugh. But yeah. at my other job, if Pete, if I don't have a good day, the worst that could happen is it's kind of catastrophic. So it just it just shows the pressures of the two environments. So it's either you, you die or they die on a, a bad day on either job. Essentially, yeah, essentially, essentially. And I don't like committing suicide. So you know, oh, there's a few like Paul Sinha and Harry Hill mm-hmm. who, who were doctors and are now full time comedians and i always think but imagine if you were their patients and then you're watching harry hill's tv burn and you're like what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> no exactly exactly and maybe the people say that about me too you know maybe yeah. they'll say that about me. i'll treat about that guy now he's on xyz have you ever had the experience of a patient coming to see you do comedy and not necessarily knowing until you were on stage no not yet i've had I've had people recognise me from gigs and see me at work if they also work in the same place. I've had that. I've had people say, oh, I'm a doctor too, so I'll come see your show. But I've never had 
a patient come and see me. I think that's the next level up. That's that's proper levels. You treat treated me medically. Now you want to treat my or treat me with some laughter. That's double dose. Yeah, I guess the other way around would be horrendous if someone saw you do stand up and then the next day was in hospital and you came in to tell them bad news and they were like, "What? <laughs> this fucking clown?" Ah, 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 ah. No punchline. No punchline. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that would. I think that would be a proper mindfuck for them. That like, no, no, not him, not him. He was yeah. talking about all this rubbish on stage yesterday. Not him. <laughs> Can I ask how your shift was today? I don't know many doctors. If any. Oh. Yeah, it was, it was a bit critical because it's always hard to plan stuff after work because with, with anything, when you when you have a finish time, it's like, oh, that's your finish time. But sometimes you can be sort of be dealing with an emergency sort of up to the time where you've got to be like, i got to go and you sort of hand it over. But it was steady, busy, but nothing I couldn't sort of handle. That, you know, people, I, I do sort of orthopedics of bones and joints. So you see oh, wow. people broken bones, you see people cutting their skin and stuff like that and, you know, punk. but yeah, it's all rudimentary stuff to me. Like, it probably sounds a bit gory to people that may be listening. Is part of your training like how to handle that stuff emotionally, so it so you don't take it home with you? You know, is it is there actual training for that, or is it just you do, <laughs> you do it by doing it? I wish there was training. I wish it's kind of like you know, you you see something, you can see something crazy today, but if I wrote to be back at work tomorrow. They need you back at work. So it's kind of like this, well, you know, shrug it off. It's weird. It's so weird that you have to compartmentalize your sort of feelings. I think there's, there definitely is, in my opinion, a lack of sort of pastoral support. And the expectation is that you see something crazy and it's just, well, that's just work. And then you get on about your business. You just jump back on the horse. You know what I mean? So there is that weird, and there's, it's such an unspoken thing about in medicine. It's such a like, you know, oh, that was crazy. Sometimes they do these formal debriefs if something major catastrophic oh, happens, really? but that's few and far between. Um, you know, if you have a bad day at work, it's kind of like, okay, all right, man, we need you tomorrow. Can I ask you, I hope this isn't too dark a question, because I don't want you to tell me if, I don't want you to specify the thing, but are there like things that have happened that you find do haunt you? might have been weeks ago, months ago, that you were like, there was this one thing that stays with me, or, or is it a general, you can let it go at the end of the day? I mean, I, I don't want to get you... No, 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 you're not, you're not bringing back any demons. <laughs> I don't know, I'm I'm pretty good. Uh, as cynical as it sounds, I'm pretty good at probably sort of packaging stuff. Like, I could have a bad shift, and maybe the night after, and I may think about it during the night and stuff, I may not have a good sleep, but I think that the following day, I tend to short shrug things off, it's not the same, obviously not the same, no, but I guess that like having a bad gig, you have a bad yeah. gig, oh my goodness, oh, that was terrible, my punch line didn't land here, or awkward punt, awkward heckler, and then you kind of sleep on it, then the next day you're kind of like, all right, new day sort of thing, so you kind of have to have the same attitude, it's weird comparing a gig and medicine. No, but I, that, I, was, I was thinking when you said it, yeah, it sounds like, it sounds like gig. It's kind of like gig, kind of like, oh, well, you know, I had that punt that didn't like it, or that heckler had a difficult heckler there, well, you know, day at the office. You, and then you kind of shrug it and move on. I can imagine you you leaving a tricky day at work and going to a green room and hearing comedians complaining about their comedy. And you, there must be part of you that's like, oh, come on, mate. I just watch someone's <laughs> leg Just give you like a... Yeah, a perspective. Like sometimes you hear... It's, it's weird. Cause I guess I started comedy as a hobby and it's now it's this hobby that's got out of control. And I always tell myself, I don't I don't have to be doing this, if you know what I mean. Not, not in a cocky sort of way, but more in a there are more serious things at life that are happening, if you know what I mean. So I come with that sort of perspective to things. So sometimes when I hear people complain, I'm like, there are real people suffering, you know. So you having a bad temper to gig, it's 
it's really it falls into comparison. But yeah. I, I feel like dick if I'm the one that's always saying that. So I kinda have to like, oh yeah, fair enough, yeah. yeah. Oh the bad crowd, I know. But then deep down sometimes I'm like, yeah, man, I, I've seen some of leg chopped off, man. This is nothing. <laughs> Fascinating. And so what so just tell me so tell me so I know. You started comedy as a hobby. You just wanted to try it. How did that happen? Yeah. Literally, people will be like during uni, people are like, oh Michael, you got jokes, you're funny, you've got good banter about you. And I was like, all right, you know, all right. And I have witty one-liner. So sometimes I'll be in like, it's us say I'm a group of friends and I'll just try always come with a one-liner, like a funny yeah. one-liner. And I'll take pride in sort of making people there laugh. I'll, like, I would enjoy it. So I'm thinking, is that, the people tell me, oh, you should try it. And then I think it was 2017. I kept on thinking, what? Why not? You know what? Why not? Let's just see. Let's just see. The best way of finding out, in my opinion, was going to stand up, go in front of people that don't know who I am, don't have a scooby-doo who, who the hell I am, and go in front of it. But I so I typed in open mic, living in Greenwich, near Greenwich at the time, and then I went to Up the Creek, which is in London. But I didn't realise it was their blackout. So I, which is a gong show, if you're not, not aware of it, where you have to try to survive five minutes on stage. But I only found out when I got there and the MC was explaining the rules. So it was like, do I chicken out or do I just find out? And I didn't chicken out. I stayed, I lasted three and a half minutes. And I was like, That's there's good. something That's in good. this. There's something in this. And literally that sort of desire to get a laugh from an audience is what I still chase all these years later. Just that desire to make a whole room of rock for the laughter. That's essentially the bug I've got and I've still got it to this day. That's brilliant. Do you get nervous doing gigs? <sighs> during pre- I still do. Yeah, I'll be lying. I still do. You still get a few sort of, you know, palpitations, especially during previews now. And obviously I've gone from getting up to the place while doing Club 20s to preparing for the preview do a whole sort of an hour. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, you're in control for a whole hour. You've got to remember everything for an hour. Or yeah. So you do get nervous that you're going to literally keep, you want to keep your energy. You want to keep it interesting for an hour. You want to keep me funny for an hour. And I guess that's the question in my comedy career that I'm trying to answer now. Can I be funny for a whole hour? And uh, I guess in Edinburgh, people will, will surely find out. <laughs> what time is your show in the courtyard? 8.35pm. So nice little evening time. So see, see a few afternoon shows. Nice little evening time. You're in prime time. You are the, the main event. 830. Oh, that, that, that's it. Yeah. When they see the venue, it's, it's a bit small, but it, it's small, but boutique. It's a boutique venue. Let's call it venue that. Is it? <laughs> venue. I'm, I'm down in the cellar. I'm down in the cellar. So we're going to make it the comedy cellar. We're going to make it our sort oh, yeah, of comedy good. vibe down there. Yeah, that's a lovely sauna down there. <laughs> oh, I hope Edinburgh weather is what I think Scottish weather plays this part. I need Scottish weather. I don't need no London on the 90th of July weather. That's what I don't need. <laughs> That's very exciting, man. I hope it goes well. I'm sure. No, thank you. I do appreciate it. And so what? So you've just taken a, a, a whole month off doctor. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like unpaid. I basically took unpaid leave. That's probably the easy way of doing it. So um, I just said, told basically organized the work, look, no shifts, don't pay me and all that fair dues. So it's kind of like going, so it's, it's not a gamble, so to speak, but it's definitely like I'm giving it my all. I thought that if you're going to do your debut, you've got to announce yourself, so to speak, to the industry. You might as well just give it your all. You might as well, as much as you sort of physically and financially sort of can. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to give it everything I've got, all bells and whistles, and then go up there and see what happens. See what happens. So, and just have a fun time. Just, it makes things have fun. Everything else that comes from it, you know, you can't really control. But my attitude is have fun, become a better comic, and naturally opportunities hopefully come from there. 
Michael, that's great and everything, but I've just realised that I forgot to tell you something. Oh, hit me. Uh, I should have told you when you first came on the Zoom, actually. Uh, and I've read it, we're about 15 minutes in and I, I didn't tell you. I'll, <clears throat> I'll just say it and we'll, I guess we'll deal with it. Um, uh, you've died. Oh, my goodness. You're dead. Damn. Oh, I was full of life and vitality. Oh, my goodness. How was my bedside manner? Horrific. That was terrible. He didn't even give me a warning shot or nothing. He just went straight for the kill. Imagine the doctor coming in. Oh, I forgot to tell you. <laughs> oh, by the way, did you know the Grim Reaper's been around? Sorry, I, I, nearly went, I nearly left work. I forgot to tell you. Oh, oh goodness. How did you die? Do you know what? I died doing something I really enjoy, and I died. I wouldn't want, like, a, a death which is sort of, like, an unfortunate, a, a plain rash, which is horrific. I would like to die eating an In-N-Out burger. Just, you know what I mean? Just, that's it. Yes, a good In-N-Out burger. Like, best burger ever. In the world. In, in the world. It's the best burger in the world. And I think it's the best thing. Like, every time I take a bite out of it, it's yeah. just, like... I just feel that heaven has come onto my chest. Like I, I, I can't explain it. Like when I went to LA and had some, I was like, "Where, where is this in London? What is going on? Do yeah. they not like? Do we like gluttony too? Like what is? How did they not know?" I don't know, man. It's it is it, it is magical when you say it's heaven coming on your chest. I think there's a secret religious element to in an outburger and whatever it is. I'm happy to join because they really. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so you're what you're eating an in and out burger and you choked on it? Yeah. There's a, there's always this rumor that that's how I always went. I don't know if you went with, with an in and out, but I literally just want to be having a double cheeseburger. I take a bite and I'm like, mm, then my heart goes, that's it. The, the artery just gets fully clogged and we're 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 just out of it. We're we're done. That's it. Uh so it's not doesn't hurt much? Not too much. I think it want I want it to be a bite. <laughs> then that's it. Just okay. my chest goes, I collapse. And if you want to be like him, do you want to die in the toilet eating this burger? Oh, that's, that's really like, what, what circumstance do you get where you're, you're literally emptying your bottom, but then putting more in? Like, what, what efficient system is that? Like, that's what I can't understand. You would, I don't have, you, have you ever tried eating on the toilet? Have you ever tried it? No, 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 no. Have you? It feels against God, doesn't it? It doesn't, <laughs> it's, meant, it's meant to be a gap. <laughs> There's meant to be a gap between one thing happening and the other. Hundred percent, hundred percent. There's a continuous loop. It don't seem right. You don't seem right at all. So yeah, I, I've not, I've not done it. But maybe, maybe now you've mentioned it. Maybe I'll try it. It, it doesn't seem logical, but you know, life isn't all about logic. So. Okay. Do you worry about death? No, not really. I think doing what I do, you don't. You see, you see it often more than a lay person. So I've kind of yeah. like, I've not prepared for death. So don't get me wrong at all. But I definitely, I like to think I'm not as like, oh my goodness, death. Like, because it's, it's the cycle of life. I think in this country or in the world, we don't really talk about it. We accept. We're so happy to see a baby born, but we never really like to talk about death. Yeah. And we, you know, every time a baby's born, we're essentially guaranteeing another death. I know that's very cynical to think uh, about, but that's essentially what we're doing. Yeah. And we never like to think of it like that. We think about life. For the don't, tell, don't tell the mother that when you're, when you're meeting the new baby. <laughs> that would be fine. Oh, too late now. 
Well, can I ask? And again, you don't have to be specifics on this, but I, I'm assuming you've you've been there when people have died. Have you seen things that have made you think there's more, as in you know, mm. a soul and etc. Things like that, or as it? Yeah. How, how do you feel about it? I'm definitely like obviously I grew up a uh, Catholic background. I grew up, grew up Catholic and whatnot. Still, still religious. To this day, I definitely think there is an afterlife. What, how that afterlife is sort of shaped? I do, I do hope there's a heaven. I'm, I hope I'm not being good for no reason. But like, because <laughs> <laughs> otherwise I'd be murdering and killing. Oh, yeah, it's to be good. That there's no afterlife. What about then? Let me let me go in. Be a serial killer. Or something. Do, do something. But um, get my name out there. That's one way to get a Netflix special. Be a serial killer. But um, I do definitely feel like yeah, you, your body stays on this earth. But I, I do think your soul goes up, and depending on how good you've been on earth, the term, in my in my opinion, determines where you sort of go. It's just the finality when you when you sometimes see someone who's just passed away, they immediately they look like they're just sleeping, and it's just this weird sort of feeling of an hour ago you're with us, and then now you're not, and it's just. Yeah, initially, the first time seeing stuff like that, it's just a mind, it's complete mind, mind part. So it's just like, whoa, like, I don't know if this is a question and I don't even know if I can ask it, but I'll ask it and if we don't like it, we can cut it. Have you mm. have you seen, like, a good death where you were like, I, I liked that death, perhaps they said everything they needed to say, you know what I mean? Like, did you see anything where you were like, mm. that, was a, that was a nice death? Yeah, like, I think, I, I think, a good death, obviously, a, I think a good death is one where it's not a sh- not a complete shock to the mm-hmm. family. I think those where the family can make it to wherever the hospital, or predominantly, hopefully, it's probably somewhere like a hospice in time. Yeah. I do, I'm working predominantly in the hospital. I don't see the hospices often, but I definitely think places like hospices where it's planned, it's sort of people yeah. in the know that it's going to happen, and it's more... Because hospitals are quite chaotic and yeah. stuff. And I mean, the worst, sometimes the worst thing is you're telling a, a, a relative, oh, you've got to come in quickly because things aren't looking great and they're rushing in and stuff. I'd rather it be a case where everyone's had time to digest the information. The person who's passing away is aware, their family's aware, they're all around them. And then if they're holding their partner's hand or something like that as they go, that is, it, there's not much, I don't think there's much, in terms of passing, there's not much poetic in that. So, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's if we're gonna go one way, I think you want your 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 loved ones around. Don't I appreciate you answering that. Well, you aren't sure if there's a heaven, but you hope there is one. I got news for you, buddy boy. There is a heaven. Ooh, I hope so. And you are invited because you did. You were a, you were very good, even though you attempted to be bad. But you were good. <laughs> you were to heaven, and it happened. And it's filled with your favorite thing. What's your favorite thing? Uh Chick Fil A. It's filled with Chick Fil A. The walls oh my are made of Chick-fil-A. The seats are made of Chick-fil-A. Oh! The are made of chick fil You're rolling in Chick-fil-A. You're just eating and rolling. And oh! <laughs> uh, Dude! Yeah. And there are, there are Chick-fil-A. It is Chick... It is, it is ram full of Chick-fil-A. And, uh, and everyone that's there, they're excited to see you. They're big fans of your work. They loved your Edinburgh show. They're huge fans. And they want to talk to you about your life. But they want to talk to you about mm. your life through film. And the first thing yeah. they ask me is, what's the first film you remember seeing, Michael Akadiri? Do you know what it was? I was thinking about this, man. And I think in my house, I had a lot of VHSs or videos sort of things in the 90s growing up. And I remember we had the video of The Mask. And I remember 
Yes, yes. Right. Jim Carrey. Yes, yeah. I'll watch this film and you'll see. I, I just remember the scene when he finds the mask and he's under some bridge somewhere and he picks up this mask and he puts it on, then he transforms. And, I'm like, ah! and then and then he goes all crazy and stuff like that. Then he's like this wacky sort of funny sort of superhero sort of guy absolutely hilarious and i just remember then obviously the, the the way the plot goes he's sort of fighting the the bad i can't remember what the bad guy's name is now but the, the bad guy and then the bad guy gets the mask and he turns into a huge oh, yeah sort of, i don't need to feed. then they're fighting over cameron diaz and it's like oh my goodness why are they why is it always about fighting over a woman but anyway they're fighting over cameron diaz and then he wins and said, like, oh my goodness, the wacky guy won. And yeah, I just, yeah, I remember a lot. Yeah, that film, I guess that film taught me that maybe right or wrong, you're going to have to fight for your woman. That's what I took as like a five-year-old. That's what I took. And you're going to have to be wacky doing it. That's what that yeah. Yes. It's not the cool guy that wins. You've got to be wacky and silly. Wacky and silly wins all the time. Where we we do you have siblings? Do you watch it with your siblings? Or were you on- yeah, yeah, I've got I've got two older brothers and one younger, so it must have been all boys, all boys, all boys, all boys. I think my mum tried for a girl and I think she gave up after after my little brother. So when the fourth one came out, was she like, for fuck's sakes? Yeah. Oh my good, what is going on? Why is his DNA winning? What's going on? Four. Yeah. No, no girls. Yeah, just like my dad's DNA beating. Being a female egg and stuff like that, yeah. So yeah. four boys. Wow. So you did you, you watched this together, all four of you? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. That that was that that was our thing in the nineties, man. There, catchy like putting that on. That's, oh, that film. I've watched it several times. It's one of the films where you know, just a good, good old school Hollywood movie. Good guy, bad guy. They sort of compete. Good guy wins, saves the day. It's a good film. I like the look of that film. I like the music of that film. I think it's a really, it's quality that. It's quality in a way it could have been quite average. And it's really, it's got a style to it. (laughs) What is the film that scared you the most, Michael Akadir? Oh my goodness. I, I don't think you could be a millennial without being absolutely terrified of Final Destination. (laughs) <laughs> well, especially in your job Jesus of course oh my goodness that film was absolutely terrifying like every time I see it every time I drive past on the motorway a row of logs it's just the thing that it's just like I, I just think that it's going to become loose come through my windscreen take off my head and that's it that's how I'm going to go I'm like I'm not going to have the in and out burger this log is gonna take me the fuck out. That is my fit out fail. And that is because of that film. That is because of that film. No, no chance. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Do you like being scared or do you hate it? Oh, good question. I don't go to theme parks as much as I used to. Theme parks is where I go through that mental sort of barrier. Mm. Going to theme park for me is battling my own demons. How scared I'm scared, but I'm gonna do it. But I've been a bit risk averse as I get older, maybe because I don't make enough time to go and be silly. But theme parks and like stuff I want to do, for example, I would love to jump out of a plane. Have you done that? That is 100% the, the number one thing on my list of things I want to do is jump out of a plane. I've got to do it before before I leave. I've got to jump out of a plane. That is me battling my mental demons. Like just being able to be like, you know what? This is crazy as hell. Yeah. I'm terrified, but let's just do it. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Ah, uh, it's got to be done before I leave this earth. I got to do it. That and bungee jumping. Yeah, I, I'm more scared of bungee jumping than I am jumping out of plane. I'm not scared of jumping out. Of plane. I mean, we'll see how I feel when I'm up there. 
but in theory, I sort of feel like, oh, it's fine. You're so high up that you'll, if it doesn't work, you'll you'll die. You'll be fine. Yeah. But with bungee jumping, if that goes wrong, it's like well, you won't die, but you're not. Gonna- <laughs> <laughs> well, you want to be dead. Yeah. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to three percent daily cash on every purchase every day. That's three percent on your favorite products at Apple. 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Mother's Day is right around the corner, and in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. The iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days. And later, the co-CEOs of Baby to Baby will share how they're addressing the needs for millions of babies and moms. So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What about crying? What's the film that made you cry the most? Now you're a crier. Uh, I'm not a big crier. I think the last time I cried proper was when my parents, uh, when I graduated, my parents surprised me with a car. And I had no idea. But I know, okay, I'm not really a material sort of person. And I had the car I had was I was happy with, but then surprised me with like a brand new car and that. So that was the last time I cried. That was quite a few years ago. But the film, I'm going to preface the film yeah. by saying that I was eight or nine. And that's very important context to what yeah. I'm going to say. I was like eight or nine. And the very big film that came out was essentially the end of High School Musical. <laughs> so the end of High School Musical. Oh, my goodness. So it, it wasn't even the sad part. It was tears of joy rather than tears of sadness. Yeah. And I think... Again, typical sort of Hollywood movie. Oh, my goodness. Was it Troy or whatever, Zac Efron, who played, he wants to play basketball, but he loves singing. And then he's battling this demon. Then he meets Vanessa at the end. Then they come to do this duet. And then they start falling, flying. And then I literally, at that point, I broke in tears. I was like, oh, it's so beautiful that it's come to you, man. True love, you can't deny true love. Yeah, I was like literally That's eight or nine times crying now. Zac Efron yeah. found Vanessa and they, they made love. That's beautiful, man. That is really beautiful. You know what? That is? I don't think that's ever come up on this podcast. So well done. That's really great. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Try to be unique. So yeah, that, I'm ashamed to go watch it back because I don't want to know if those floods of tears would open again. Oh, so I, I, It holds up. I'm pretty sure it holds up. Oh, man. That, that, that got me. That, it caught me off guard. I was, I was a bit embarrassed, but I was like, no, this, this has got me off guard. <laughs> Were you watching that with your brothers? Oh, no, no. I think I was alone. So that's why the tears flew even yeah. even further. They're like these are these are genuine. Like this is me. I don't think that was the target demographic when they wrote the movie. <laughs> what about what's the film that you love? Most people don't like it. It's not critics don't like it, but you think it's fucking brilliant, and everyone else is dumb. You know what? It's not. I know some critics don't mind it, but I. It's basically the franchise which is going on for too long. Obviously, most film franchises get to about three, then you sort of slow it down. But I'm a fan of the Fast and Furious franchise, and a lot of people give it a lot of stick. A lot of people say, oh, you know, they're, they're dehydrating that cow, they're milking it, yada, yada, yada. And I, it's a good film. It's a yeah, good right. film. Great film. It's a 
what's franchise? You know, you who doesn't want a bit of action? You know, good guys and bad guys. That's the plot. You know, you know they're going to get the bad guys in the end, and then they go on to a different mission. But it's good fun. You get, you see some fancy cars. You see some good action. You see some shit blowing up. What, learn, what more do you, you want? You learn about family every every week. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, what's your favorite Fast and Furious? You have to pick one. Oh, I think mean, one of the early ones. I think there's a, I have a one or two. I'm, I'm, I guess maybe a bit of nostalgia with Paul Walker passing away, but I definitely like the sort of early ones. Because you didn't know where it would go at this point. You didn't know what the formula was. Uh, but I think definitely I have a one or two. Okay. And on the other side of this, what is a film that you used to love? You loved it with all your heart and you've watched it recently and you thought, oh, I don't like this film anymore. For whatever reason. It's, this is a weird one. It's not actually the film that changed. It's my perspective of the animal of the film. So I didn't mind Ratatouille when it came out. Okay. I didn't mind it. I thought, oh, this, this is a cute little rat. You know, the rat chef be cooking it up in Paris. It, only the French get away with making a rat chef. Like every any other country be like, oh, this is some bullshit. Why are we letting this rodent <laughs> roam around? And then um, I guess I, I've been to New York. I went to New York just before the pandemic. And I've seen the rats over there. I can't even... These rats will be on the subway checking your tickets. So I said, I can't now see a rat that will be checking my tickets as this cute little ratatouille chef. So now I can't watch ratatouille the same way because I despise all rats. So even you, rats. <laughs> so you, you're happy to have to be a doctor and a comedian, but you won't yeah. let a rat have two different jobes. Hey, stay a rodent. <laughs> stay a rodent. You can't be out here. But not both. Right. Exactly. You you have a Gordon Ramsay or you're a rodent. You can't you can't mix it up. <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah, rats are fucking terrifying when you see them. They are like, they are big old big old units, aren't they? Like, oh yeah. Especially the New York ones. What are they putting in those sewers? That they're just so like huge. <laughs> it's like they've done time in prison. Like they come up so big. <laughs> There must be some rat prison somewhere down in the New York sewers that they all yeah. go to. That well, that's where Splinter came out of, isn't it? There we go. He was their leader and trained them up, I imagine. Mm-hmm. They're all just fucking hench now. What's the film that means the most to you? Not necessarily mm. the film itself is any good, but because the experience you had around seeing the film will always make it special to you, Michael. Oh, good question. Again, you're rolling them out, man. Um <laughs> <laughs> Good. I think Iron Man 3 I think it came out 2013 and this is special to me because I think it's one of the first dates me and my now wife went on congratulations thank you so much so we went in it was in Nottingham that's where I went uni there's a really sort of quiet sort of budget student cinema called the Savoy Cinema and we booked tickets there I think about £4 a ticket very very cheap quite good uh, but they put on all like Hollywood films and whatnot. Yeah. And I remember we went there and then there was another couple who I think were on their first date that we knew. And I remember she specifically didn't want me to call them over. But obviously me being me, I called them over. And we sat next to each other for the whole film. She was so pissed off at me. She hated the fact that I called them over. She got so uncomfortable. And I'm happy they did because that couple's also now married and we're now married. So clearly uh, I did something. I set up the marriage. <laughs> Train. I don't know what I'm going to call it, but I don't marry train sounds horrific, but I set up something. Did you enjoy the film or were you stressed because she was stressed? No, I was, I was encoring the film. That was a great film. I, 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 yeah, I, I was applauding the film. So 
I think I was, I was like, no, we're here now. We've paid the money. Let's enjoy the entertainment and we can deal with the ramifications of my stupidity later. So that was kind of like my rationale. I have to say, I don't want to, you know, pile on on this one, but she was absolutely in the right. If I, I mean, bad enough, <laughs> bad enough, there's another person with you at the cinema bringing two more into it. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, mate, she married you. When did you yeah, get yeah, yeah. Clearly, she saw, she saw something in my stupidity in my, you know, not doing the right things at the right time. When did you get married? 2020, which is obviously the best the best year to do anything of a large function. So we were planning this whole big wedding. It got decimated by COVID. So we done a little sort of registry sort of thing. And it was meant to do one in 2021, but then that's when they brought out the tier sort of system. So we literally missed the cutoff by a few months. So we don't know when or if we'll do a big function, but that's on the to-do list. But I spent all the money on Edinburgh, to be honest. But like, we need... <laughs> Weddings off, babe. I'm going to the courtyard. You're going to the courtyard. Yeah, come to the York courtyard. It's quite nice. So yeah, that money's all up in, in jokes in Edinburgh. It's on a billboard yeah. somewhere that's people out of hand. So <laughs> I still love you. I love you very much. And I really want to celebrate our love. But can I do it on stage with a paid audience? <laughs> that's the same. Thing. Exactly. That's great. What is the film that you most relate to, Michael Akadiri? I've got two answers to this. My, my first, when I saw the film, okay, I'm going to first say Get Out, but I don't really relate to Get Out. I've not been in the Get Out situation. But uh, the, the honest truth, the honest truth, and obviously I know the, the, the creative person in this film, it's very much disgraced now, but I, I think when Kidulthood came out, I definitely thought that was probably one of the first films that I saw and I thought, okay, this has probably been made with me in mind or people that look like me or people from uh, sort of backgrounds similar to me, uh, me, me in mind. Because obviously I very much used to the sort of American big block bust of Hollywood films and stuff yeah. like that. And obviously I'll go, I enjoy a Hollywood film as much as the next person. But it's, it, I, I thought that was the first film that I've written like with someone, a London, someone that's young from London in mind, which at the time, this was mid, I think 2006 that came out, I hadn't seen many films designed like that I, I you know obviously I've seen Johnny English and stuff like that but I don't think Johnny English has written with me in mind so uh, the first film that I saw I thought wow this is this is actually built for I've been in the thought process here you know what I mean uh, yeah for sure 100% that makes sense that's a good answer I, I would also I'm sure if you ask the makers of Johnny English they would also say they were thinking of you because I think <laughs> they, they would be like we were thinking of everyone <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Good film uh, about that. <laughs> uh, what is the sexiest film you've ever seen, Michael I don't think this film actually a sexy sort of film, but I think sex is a big theme in it. And definitely watching it when I was younger, I think it came out 2001, so I was still sort of eight, nine or something like that. When it came out, I was like, is this what being a teenager is like? Because I'm ready to be one. And I, I have to say American Pie. American Pie, obviously, typical frat boy, sort of college, sort of American sort of style humour. And I always remember that stiff lot scene when he's with the two young ladies and he just presumed they were lesbians. And then they played on that fact and they made him kiss his, his friends and they were just egging him on. And I just kept on thinking, I, you know, what, when I saw that, I kept on thinking, this is his fantasy. And is this what every teenage boy thinks about? And I was just thinking, is this one going to be a teenager? 
let's see what I'm like. It's almost like, let's see what I'm like. Eight or nine-year-old me, oh my goodness. Yeah. How am I going to be like that when I'm this age? It's all this freedom, all this crazy stuff he'd be doing. And what happened when you became a teenager? Were you like, yeah, oh, you're right. I was, doing, I was in books studying to become a doctor. It was nothing like that. Contrast. Complete contrast. Like, I, I was living vicariously through Stigma. That's what it was. Very different film. Very different film. <laughs> That's the different film. <laughs> the next question is uh, Troubling Biners, Worrying Why Don't. What's a film you found arousing that you weren't sure you should? There's some odd, and there's, there's method to the madness here, but Ice Age... And the reason there's going to be there's going to be a good answer. Please explain. Please explain. So every this doesn't sound a bit graphic. I don't know what the age range is on this podcast. Is, is it adults? Adult. Uh, anything. Any. So I I think every man when they're you know doing the business they've got an image that they use when they don't want to finish. Yeah. Every man's got their image. Every I'm not going to ask what yours is, but every man's got their image. My image is a pet is a penguin waddling. So I've got an image of a penguin. What it, and when I see that, that makes that gives me an extra minute. So every time I see Ice Age, I just see the penguin one, and I think that's me giving myself an extra minute. Oh. So that's why it gives. <laughs> that's funny. So you are always associating it with sex, even though it's it's to make you sort of well, it's to make you stop finishing sex. So it's your lengthening of is the it's penguin el- the elongation. It's literally associated with sex, but it's the elongation of it. This is like. That's an extra minute. I don't, if I think of a penguin one day, because there shouldn't be anything sexual about a penguin walking. But for me, so I use it. I'm like, okay, an extra minute. Just think about that. Don't think about nothing. Don't think about American pie. No American pie. No American pie. Thank penguin, you. waddle, waddle, waddle. That's really good to me. But also, uh, technically, penguin is is keeping you hard. So there's a lot of that. There's a lot that, that, of <laughs> <laughs> That's what these penguins do to me. That's what they do to me. That's the penguin. Maybe you me in Antarctica. Oh, you know how madness is going down. You've got a copy of March of the Penguins hidden under your bed. <laughs> you don't oh. want to <laughs> <laughs> fucking keep on marching, you lovely penguins. What? <laughs> what is objectively? Thank you for answering that question very properly. Not many people do. What is the film that is objectively greatest film of all time? Objectively. Oh, objectively. <laughs> Oh, objectively, oh, this is a difficult one because even though I'm answering all these questions with different films, I wouldn't say that I'm a I'm a crazy film goer. Like, I don't go to I'm not like most people that go to cinema every sort of month. But I, the film I saw, and I was like, this is amazing. This I, I stood up and applauded. It has to be Avengers Endgame. Yeah. I saw that film. I said, this is amazing. Like they had everyone you can see, all the Marvel characters from here, there, and everywhere. And it was just, everyone trying to defeat for this guy got when he got all the all the stones, all the infinity stones. Thinking, oh my goodness, yes. it's done, it's done. And then and then obviously in that he killed them, um, he killed Iron Man. I said, Damn, that Robert Downey man, he had to go. And this is the film that brought me and my wife together. Damn, it's sad the way oh, oh my oh my marriage was going like the film. But like he, he's um, <laughs> yeah. When I, that, I was like, yeah, this is this is amazing. It's, it is amazing, and it is amazing as a uh, culmination of everything they've done up to that point. It's 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 quite a feat that film, and it is very moving. It's it's, it's very moving at the end. It's quite something. It is quite something. 
Relax. 100%. 100%. What is the film that you could or have watched the most over and over and over again? Oh, this, yeah, this, this will bring good memories, man. I'm, I'm going to have to go watch it again soon. Big film in the late 90s, blockbuster film, comedy, duo, clash of cultures, rush hour. Absolute rush hour. Rush oh, hour. my days. <laughs> It's ah oh, banging, 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 banging film. Oh my goodness, just h- hilarity from start to finish. And I, I, I love it because a lot of the stuff now, like I'm like that. You can't say that, but it's funny as hell. And it's like I love it because everyone got it. You know what I'm saying? Like it's one, it was not one of those ones where oh, you know that group got a lot more than another group. Everyone was get everyone's getting their mud slang in different sort of places. So that that's why I really like it. Yeah, it's funny. The action's great. It's good stuff. Good stuff. Good banner. Good, good banner. Lots of rumours and more, more rush hour. I'll take it. I'd take it. Literally, literally, like them to the door. Hilarious Chris Tucker. Oh, just chef kiss. Banging. <laughs> we don't like to be negative on here, so we'll do it quickly. What's the worst film you've ever seen? Worst film? I just, you know what it is? I'm, I'm an, I'd like to think I'm an, an intelligent guy. I do I do high-pressure job. Comedy, you've got to be intelligent to do comedy all that type of stuff. But I think when it comes to films, give me a simple plot. Give me, you know, good guy, bad guy, they fight, someone wins, the end. That's how I like my films to go. This film was too intellectually challenging for me and I zone out. This film is called Inception. I did not understand <laughs> what the fudge was going on in this film. They're like, oh, is he in Dream 1? No, he's in Dream 2. But then he got lost in Dream 1, so he's now in Dream 4. What are you talking about, Leo? <laughs> what the hell is going on, cut? Explain it. Uh, to this day, I don't understand. For me, the worst film, too confusing. Too, I just want to I want to see some guy punch up, beat up the bad guys, leave it as that. None of this. Oh, have, man. Have you ever tried Tenet? Did you see Tenet? No, no. Some mentioned Tenet to me uh, not so long ago when I was preparing for this. So nah. But if, if it's anything like that, nah. Mm-mm. It, Mm-mm. It's like twice as hard to follow. Does it sound oh. If not more. I, I need to film that. It's just A to B. What's up? Why not in this Well, Tenet's like B to A, A to B, B to A, A to B. So you're having to follow something oh. backwards and then forwards and forwards and backwards at the same time. It's so complicated. My poor little brain was melting. And I was like, I'm sure this is excellent action, but my head hurts. It hurts so much trying to understand what's going on. 100%, it shouldn't be like that. It shouldn't, it shouldn't, it really shouldn't be like that. It's mind boggling. Absolutely mind boggling. <laughs> what about you're in comedy, you're a comedian, you're an excellent one too. What's the film yeah. that made you laugh the most? I, I hate to, I hate to go back to something I already mentioned, but I couldn't, I was racking my brain. I want to be, you know, keep everything individual and yeah. you know, separate stuff. But I have to go rush hour. I think, I was even reminiscing yeah. a, a joke the other day, like there's a bit where Chris Tucker's running down the stairs and then there's obviously a Chinese lady like rushes him and says, move out the way, Kobe. And it's like, what? The- <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> it's so wrong, but I, I fight. It's it's literally it's basic humor, but I still just lines like that everywhere. And I yeah. thought to myself, I was researching. I was like, no, let me see who 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 wrote this film. So if there's all these jokes here, let's see who wrote this film. And I, and I see the screenwriter 
And it's just some now he's a bit older. Obviously, some middle-aged white guy. I said, this guy had all these Chinese and black jokes. And there's some white guy that wrote it. <laughs> that took me out. That was very funny. I thought that was also funny. That, that made the film very funny to me as well. That's great. Do you think he was on set and uh, Chris Tucker would be reading, reading the day scene and going, uh-huh, looking at him. You write this? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay, motherfucker. Like, uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. You're lucky paying me $23 million. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, I can hear you. Mm-hmm. You have been wonderful. I've thoroughly enjoyed Thank this you. very much. However, however, when you were in LA, you went to your favourite restaurant, In-N-Out Burger, quite rightly, and you got mm-hmm. yourself a double-double animal cheeseburger protein-style burger. And That's it. You had just come from the airport and you hadn't found a toilet in the airport. So you waited for your burger, you got your burger, but then you were also desperate for the toilet. So you nip into the toilet, you sit down, ready to expel the day's work from the <laughs> But you also, you can't wait for your in and out burger. So you open it up and you, you take a bite and it's like heaven coming hard on your chest. And as you swallow it, you, uh, it fills your arteries completely close. They're fully closed. Oh. And for about four seconds, it's not very nice. And then you collapse dead. You slump <clears> slightly into the toilet. Now, I'm in in and out but you're also a big fan, and I'm also trying to find out what, what the uh, religion is that's, that I can join it so we can eat in and out burgers at the time. <laughs> Let me know. Let me know. Uh, and probably won't get struck by that. You'll be fine. Anyway, so I, so I, I go in, and I, I, I eat my burger sat at the table. And then I'm like, where's Michael? I wonder, I heard Michael like this place. Where's he? And um, I'm looking around. I can't see you anywhere. I've got my coffin with me. You know what I'm like? And uh, I head into the toilets and the, like the cubicles like locked. And then I see someone's under, but they're very quiet in there, surprisingly quiet. And I bang on them. I go, Michael, are you in there? Nothing. Michael, are you in there? Nothing. I'm like, is that Michael? What if it's not Michael? This could be embarrassing. Anyway, I kick in the door like, a, like an LA cop. And, That's it. And there you are. You're in the toilet bowl. Your legs, you, your legs have folded into your arms. You're squashed right into the bowl. You're now sealed into it. And I'm like, oh no, this is awful. And so I get a few people. Can you come out? We pull him out. And you're like sealed into the, to the toilet. <laughs> so we all pull you out, and you pop out of the the thing. But but you are a mess. You're a mess, mate. It's a disaster. So I end up getting some knives. I have to chop you up because there's not enough. There's too much of you now. There's water retention. Ah. So I have to chop you up. Anyway, I put all the bits of you into the coffin, but there's more of you than I was expecting. And the coffin is absolutely jam-packed. And there's, I mean, it's so full. There's only really enough room in the side for me to slip one DVD into the side with you, for you to take it across <laughs> to the other side. And when you're there, it's movie night every night. What film are you taking to show the people of heaven in Chick-fil-A heaven when... Chick-fil-A heaven. Oh, this is a good one. The first thing I wanted to think was Russia, but then I think, imagine if I went to Chick-fil-A heaven and showed them Passion of Christ. What <laughs> a mindfuck for everyone <laughs> there. This is heaven. <laughs> he was hitting for me. He was God's at the back of the screening room going, I said I didn't like this. I tried to make it clear, but they kept making it. <laughs> I really be watching what he tried to stop. <laughs> and Jesus is there going, this isn't how it was. This is not right. <laughs> <laughs>
that would be amazing. I'll definitely take Price of the Price to my coffee. That's great. Uh, that's really good. Michael, you've been wonderful. I've thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed hanging out with you. Thank you for your time. Same here. Thanks for having me on. Is there anything you would like to tell people to watch and look out for other than your Edinburgh show, which is coming soon? Yes. I also do a podcast with one of my friends, hopefully to restart it very soon. It's called You Shoe Know Better. It's where we look at topical news story from an antagonist shoes and ask ourselves, should they have known better? So check out for that. That's where you can get all your sort of podcasts. And yeah, look out for the Edinburgh show. And hopefully there'll be something a bit interesting to do with that, whether touring it, whether taking it other places right. after Edinburgh. So yeah, if you're in Edinburgh, come say hello. If not, hopefully it comes to a town near you. Good man. All right. I hope you have a wonderful death and I hope you have a good day at your shift tomorrow. Thank you. And only uh, healthy people come to visit. <laughs> Maybe that's an annoying day. I don't know. Maybe. Anyway, is that a good day? If, if it's just a load of hypochondriacs who come in and there's nothing with them? It, yeah, it does, it does ground you good. One or two. You can, I think I've got one or two hypochondriac limit per day. Like, right. person, before it starts grinding you get one or two, you do another, another. So it's like, like, oh, what are we doing here? It becomes like a... It comes a bit frustrating, but you know, everyone's got their limits. Someone's got their limits. Wow. So, so, you, so in a way, you're, you're, you want there to be a problem because then you've got shit to do. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You want, that's why people like pediatrics a lot because children generally don't want to be ill or don't have, usually don't have any ulterior motive. When they're unwell, they're unwell. Right. And they're the problem that you've got to tease out. Obviously, they may not always verbalize it to you, but you know they're unwell. But adults sometimes, there's, always, there's sometimes an ulterior motive. So, you know, it, they may not always be genuine. There may be another reason why they're in hospital. They're trying to get off work. Or da, 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 da. So that's why there is, I, I don't work with children a lot, but I do miss that aspect of working with kids. Wow. It's like being a detective, isn't it? I guess. Oh, that's, that's what medicine is. Being a detective. You're 100%. We're just trying to solve what, what's the diagnosis. It's sort of like comedy. You're trying to solve what's the best way to get to the laugh. And you, you use punchline, you try to get punchline. Da, 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 da. So it's all kind of like, How's the best way to get to laugh? What's the best way to get to diagnosis? Love it. Congratulations. Well done. Thank you. Congratulations to you, man. I see, I see another nomination, man. So, you know, you, you're doing you your thing. Much. And I'm very proud. Every time I see something like, yeah, that's my guy, man. He's doing uh, his thing. So I'm going to pick you up, man. That's a good look. Good, good look. Thank you very much. You got, you got a good look. Uh, all right. Have a wonderful time. Yeah. Good night. Same to you. Thank you. So that was episode 207. Head over to patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein for the extra 15 minutes of chat, sequence and video with Michael. Go to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating, but write about the film that means the most to you and why. It's a lovely thing to read. My neighbour Maureen reads them. She cries every day, bangs through the walls. I've read another nice one. I'm like, all right, my neighbour Maureen. Anyway, thank you so much to Michael for giving me his time. Go see his show in Edinburgh. Thank you to Scroobius Pip. Happy birthday, Mr. Pip. And the Distraction Pieces Network. Thanks to Buddy Peace for producing it. Thanks to Acast for hosting it. Thanks to Adam Richardson for the graphics and Lisa Lydon for the photography. Come and join me next week for another cracking good guest. So that is it for now. I hope you're all well. Thank you for listening. And in the meantime, have a lovely week. And please, be excellent to each other.
Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elia Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right. 